I'm trying to test our boundaries, that's all. You are sabotaging yourself. <laughs> Hello, Rejects. I'm Brent. <laughs> I'm Dave. Welcome back to Rejected Central. Until a decade or so ago, Saudi Arabia was really known in the West for two things, oil and religion. And prior to 9-11, you didn't hear much about Saudi that wasn't about oil or Saudi princes and sheikhs and all those people dressed in long white clothing. The first Gulf War, of course, brought a different Saudi Arabia onto our TV screens as we watched allied forces gather in its vast deserts to push Iraq out of tiny little Kuwait. Saudi Arabia became, if not one of the good guys, at least one of the okay guys. After that, it faded back into petro-state obscurity until 19 very bad guys hijacked a bunch of planes and killed a bunch of Americans in the name of religion. When it came out that 15 of the 19 were from Saudi Arabia and were financed by a really, really bad guy who also grew up there, well, Saudi had to take center stage again. For a while. But... Then it faded again, back to drilling for oil that we rely upon, and back to quietly suppressing the freedoms of its residents. Until recently. In the past few years, it's become pretty hard to ignore the upswell of violence, the undeniable links to worldwide terrorism, and its rising status as a bully in the neighborhood. And it's also becoming clear that the oil is running out and is also threatened by alternative technologies. So what do you do if you're a petrostate? with a tarnished reputation, and you know, even though you deny it in public, that the oil, the main source of your wealth and influence in the world, and dare I say identity, is threatened. Well, as they say, you gotta spend money to make money. And make no mistake, in the Middle East, it's all about the money. My wife and I lived in neighboring Kuwait for a number of years in the early 2000s, and if there's anything we learned, and we did learn a lot, it's that in the Middle East, money rules everything. It's really easy to explain. Multiple generations of Gulf citizens have grown up drenched in oil wealth, and as a result, they're utterly reliant on the money that is quite literally spurted up from the ground and into their bank accounts. Sure, you can talk about religion, human rights, and maybe even tourism as being important and on the rise, but none of them has the tangible power that money does. Religion might fill the hearts of Gulf citizens, but their heads are filled with green. Actually, I just realized that's an American money image. Uh, gold. Their heads are gold-plated. Answer football. Real football. Not American football. If you want to talk about money and influence worldwide... We have to start there. Football, the beautiful game, really runs the world. And football has become a key part of the kingdom's efforts to future-proof itself. But imperfectly. And the cracks are showing. Look at Lionel Messi's strained relationship with Saudi as their global ambassador, enjoying luxury trips and ridiculous paydays to say how awesome Saudi is. However, when the club Al-Hilal offered him $400 million to play, he said no which made a lot of folks in that area grumpy. Of course, he'll still collect his $25 million payday to promote the country. <laughs> a country which should give anyone pause when it comes to promotion or encouragement. Unless you're rich or a Saudi guy, it's not a nice place. Once upon a time, that what I knew about Saudi Arabia is that it was 
kind of barbaric, and we heard about things like public beheadings and cutting off hands for stealing of bread. Mm. Ah, those were the simple days, weren't they? (laughs) Well, the reason we're talking about this now is because Saudi has just announced that it will bid to host the 2034 FIFA World Cup. Mm. And this is big, because we've just run the gauntlet of a World Cup getting held in another strange place, Qatar. I guess... At least nobody's getting beheaded there, I guess. Ish. Ish. Okay. Right. This is a big deal because Saudi Arabia has been pegged as one of the least human rights friendly places in the world. Mm -hmm. And yet, what we're going to talk about today is something called sport washing, which is part of that strategy to future-proof the country by throwing money at something. And in this case, it's sports. But we're going to talk a little bit about the other things they've thrown money at as well. Let's talk a little bit about the state-sponsored part of it. So the State Public Investment Fund, which is the place where they've put lots of money to use to help the kingdom look better, to think about a future without oil. Um, And it's really, really wealthy. Qatar actually has a very similar structure. They initially, and the Emirates as well, the United Arab Emirates, they initially threw their money at airlines. And so Qatar Airways and Emirates, those two huge airlines, became kind of the ambassadors of that part of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and state sponsored, like all of that, that money from Qatar and the United Arab Emirates. And again, this is all oil money, went into those things to make the countries look more friendly because they were recognizing then, this is now 20 years ago, um, places like Qatar and the Emirates have given lip service to the idea that the oil is running out. And then Qatar did the same thing with the sports and Al Jazeera is actually something that's also funded by the equivalent Qatari version of this uh, public investment fund. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew that one. No. Yeah. So that's, it's all part of this, um, making the Middle East more palatable to Western ideals right? Uh, It's all about, we have this place that's full of oil money that most people think in this part of the world is a little bit backwards. We put up with it because we need the oil. Mm -hmm. They say, well, we got to change that image because there's a future coming that doesn't involve this oil. And if we don't have oil to rely upon for wealth, then where are we going to get our money, right? Right. All right. Well, let's talk about the straight numbers. So, $6.3 billion since 2021, that's billion, Wow! and that's in two years, has been thrown by the public investment fund at sporting things Mm -hmm. in Saudi Arabia. Just to put it in comparison, the $6.3 billion investment is about equivalent to the GDP of Montenegro or the whole island of Barbados. And that's just in two years. Prior to that, I think I remember reading that from 2014 to 2021, they spent maybe 1.4 billion. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've really, really ramped it up. They must know something we don't, right? Like if all of a sudden there's... Oh, we know, Dave. We know now. (laughs) I can't claim that I've always known, can I? No, you can't. Uh, Humility, humility. (laughs) All right, we talked about Messi. So he was offered 400... I'm going to just... Throw some numbers out there, Dave. See what, see how you feel about Absolutely. them. So first of all, how you feel about the four hundred million dollars they offered Messi to play a single season? I I can't fathom. I <laughs> let's see what's that a month? Thirty million a month? Thirty two million a month? That's crazy. That's what you're on. That's that's what I'm thinking. Like per yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I There's almost make that. Wow, much. that's quite an admission, Dave. I, I'm. It's amazing to play it. Like I, I think, and I and I take. How do I say this? Um, I take the profession of sports seriously, right? Like I, I recognize. You know, I have a, I have the uh, body of an. Uh, I have a body of an athlete too. He's more like a darts player or a bowler, right? But <laughs> I can, I can certainly, <laughs> I can certainly appreciate um, the amount of work it, it takes to become a, a, a top athlete physically. Yeah. Um, and all the practice and preparation stuff like that, but I, I can't. How do I say this? I can see nameless corporations making that kind of money, but an individual in a sport wrapping my head around that it's it's really tricky. How do you feel about Neymar being offered two hundred and sixty three million? He's not messy, clearly. No, no. Well, few people are, but that that's that's still to me that's you know. I wonder. I wonder uh, how many. Uh, Gross domestic products of other countries, uh, 263 million <laughs> right. doesn't cover, right? And Ronaldo probably should have held out for more because he's, oh, poor guy. He's only making 200 million. Well, he jumped in there first, eh, before, before the serious money came, I guess. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like, I feel like at this point with Ronaldo, it's, it's, it's more of a product placement than anything now. I mean, he's, he's still probably one of the top 20 or 30 players in the world, but. Well, Karim Benzema is slumming it oh. at only. $107 million a year. Yeah, let's let's take a moment. Poor guy. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. Yeah. That must be tough. Tots and pears. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Uh, Mbappe says, hold my beer, everyone, because he's been offered $1.1 billion wow. to play for one year wow. in Saudi Arabia. So let's put that 1.1 billion in perspective, yep. okay? So Michael Jordan, we're going to go to NBA for a second here. Um, Michael Jordan just sold his share of uh, his share in Charlotte, the Hornets, um, and now with his lifetime earnings in uh, with Nike, McDonald's, all this other stuff, his at his athletic career, he is worth today three billion total. Total, which is an insane amount of money. He's one of the top 400 richest people in the States now. Well, I'm just watching The Last Dance right now, the, the Netflix uh, documentary, oh. which is spectacular um, for anybody who even has a remote interest in, you know, anybody who lived through the 90s and kind of knew that this Michael Jordan was very special. But mm -hmm. I wasn't so directly attached to basketball at that time. I just knew he was really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Quite a thing. So he had an incredibly long career. Mm-hmm. Um, endorsements, obviously his salary from the Bulls and all of the things that he was doing. And he total after, I don't know, what would we say? A 25 year career? Yeah. Um, and now for 30 years after and selling this team, he's still only worth $3 million. But we're talking about one football player mm -hmm. for one year. transfer for one year, making a third of what Michael Jordan made through all of his stuff. It almost seems like a punchline. It's, it really it's, is. It's, it's so impossible wild. to fathom. Like you said earlier, I, I did the math and it's $359,000 a minute wow. <laughs> that he is, if, if, if he had accepted, which he didn't, of course, he said, no, I, why would I want to live in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> Basically. Six, 60 grand a second. That's crazy. And, and, you know, you assume 34 games a year and 90 minutes in a game, but I, it, I just can't even... There's no word for it. Mm -hmm. The Germans probably have a word. They, they <laughs> have word a word for everything. For everything. Yeah. <laughs> but more than that, it, it transcends head-shaking improbability. And I'm, I'm, you know, I can't speak for Dave or 
I will can't speak for rejected central. The views of Brent do not no, no, necessarily. Go for it. Okay, it's yes, I do. I too, it's, go for it. it's our podcast. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think it's wrong. Like I, I, there's a word that transcends obscene when it comes to this. I think it, it, mm-hmm. it, it becomes so wrong that we think about people starving in the world. We think about even just like dilapidated infrastructure mm-hmm. in places that need sewers, right? And we mm-hmm. think about what. $1.1 billion could do. And again, I, I really like your point earlier that you, you talk about the faceless corporation making that kind of money, you know, and that's, that's shadow money too. That's, that's not like, if we look at, if we look at, for example, Apple is now a trillion dollar company. Oh, yeah. That trillion dollars, of course, is not just based on money in the bank, but it's based on projected sales, the value of all of their properties, the value of their investments, the interest they hope to make this year on their blah, 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 blah. It's not somebody saying, here's a check that you could put in your bank worth this amount. But $1.1 billion, I mean, it, okay, so to break that up, it'd be 330 something million dollars for PSG for mm-hmm. the transfer fee, but the rest would have gone right into Mbappe's pocket. Yeah. So a check for $776 million or whatever it was, and that just goes, it's just, it's just pure windfall. It's pure gravy, right? I, I yeah. If, if you want to, how do I say this? If Messi and Neymar Ronaldo want to change their occupation to tourist attraction, then okay, maybe that money will make it easier. The the reality is is that there is no um there is no league there is no professional we're gonna call it football here, folks. There's no professional football league in the world where you can justify having Messi making four hundred million. Like it's not like the super duper Premier League where you know the talent is already there. If we're talking about the Saudi leagues, and nobody was until about a year ago, right? And that's another big ago. thing, right? Like, what is this league? It's a tourist attraction. Totally. That's all. That's really all it is. That's it's a good point. It's this is um, you know athletes are prizes. Really, you get to own them for a little while. Yeah, they get to be a statue, basically. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess they will be eventually only a statue because they'll only like you look at like Benzema. He's at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo, I think he's got a couple years left, especially in a league the level of the Saudi league. Absolutely. Right? He and Messi, of course, has already just shown just how ridiculously good he is. Yeah. In his in the winter of his football playing career, he is already making MLS players look slow and and and, and it's really something. Mm-hmm. So, I would also agree athletes should make a really good living if they're really good at what Absolutely. they do. I think in general, that's that's a statement that I can get behind. Um, and I like, and I'm going to modify my own indignation. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to modify it to include the idea that a figure can be a, a tourist attraction too. Because I hadn't really thought about it that way. Because that's what they are. Well, it's, exactly. It's, it's, for their, it's for anybody who's traveling in Saudi Arabia and for citizens. It's, they are a public exhibition. Well, that's, it won't be for most of the citizens because um, Saudi Arabia is, although we talk about it as a really wealthy place, the royal family and the business owners and all of the people connected to the oil wealth are really, really rich in Saudi Arabia. But a lot of Saudis are not. Mm-hmm. It's a big enough country. We lived in Kuwait and and in Kuwait, it's an interesting situation. See, when we were there, Kuwait had, I think, a total of 3 million people in the country. Only one million of them were actual Kuwaitis. Oh, wow. So the rest of us were brought in to help run the country, basically. In Kuwait, the oil wealth had a different distribution. Periodically, the emir would wipe out all debt 
for mm -hmm. all Kuwaiti citizens. Wow. So it doesn't matter what they spent their money on. And believe me, they spent their money on some pretty ridiculous stuff. Like mm -hmm. seeing Bentleys and Lamborghinis became, oh, eh, whatever, there's another Lamborghini. Crested in diamonds and stuff. Yeah. It, was, it really was something there. But at least every citizen in Kuwait, and yes, the ruling party and the royals and, and certain elites would make more, but everybody was able to participate in that oil wealth. At mm -hmm. least from time to time when the emir said, it doesn't matter what you've, what debt you have, it's wow. gone, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that to me, okay. But in a place like Saudi, it's a, it's a huge country. Mm -hmm. I don't know the population offhand, but, it, but they actually have Saudis. They need Saudis to do the work of running the actual stuff that goes on in the country. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's going to get to go see Al-Hilal. Fair. You know? Mm -hmm. In Kuwait, we went to... I went to a couple of local football games and it was super fun and they were super affordable. And there it was all, it was partially subsidized as well. We got to see Brazil annihilate the Kuwaiti oh, wow. uh, national team. Um, <laughs> as they annihilate everybody, in they, <laughs> Brazil. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I guess there's another discussion to be had. They seem to be doing better again. Mm -hmm. But being able to take in a game was something that anybody could do really. I mean, we didn't go see any of the really big matches. Right. We didn't sit in the press box, with the special boxes. We didn't do anything like that. But there are places that can actually afford to go see games. But Al-Hilal is not going to extend its cheap seats to the lowliest of the lowly mm. Saudis, right? Gotcha. And that, to me, just starts to really... It just furthers the gap between the haves and the have-nots again. Mm -hmm. We could easily go down the road. I mean, we could easily talk about how this kind of investment will, it could eventually erode um, football culture too, you know, because buying teams in the Premier League, for example, you know, like I hear that uh, sometimes academies, entire academies get wiped out. They just, they just want the bottom line. They just want the best players and like the infrastructure of football. You know, there are, there are people in the Premier League clubs that are kind of worried about if there are more money from Saudi Arabia that eventually it could, can't, it could instantly, not, how do I say this? It could like erode the culture of football, like make it too price, like price it out of the, uh, price it out of the regular person's, you know, wallet, right? Like you and I can't just up and go to a Leaf game, even if we wanted to. Oh no, no way. You know, and they're worried about that. That's going to happen. We can go to too. Forge though. We're go Forge FC. Here. Who are we? Forge FC. <laughs> but there is legitimate concern that uh, other places are, are worried that it's going to erode. Well, it'd be interesting to have a look at something like Newcastle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and for those who don't know, I'm a recent convert to the magic of English football. And I'm a recent watcher, thanks to streaming packages, <laughs> in no small part, uh, to the English Premier League. And I had it narrowed down to two teams, really, uh, that I really liked the style of play. I thought they were exciting to watch. And one of the teams was Brighton Hove Albion, and the other team was Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And I ended up sort of leaning on Brighton Hove Albion. And I think that's the team I'm going to be following. Nice choice. Yeah, thanks. Uh, but this was before I learned that Newcastle was actually partially fun, it, the existence of it, and it was bought recently by this fund we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, so Saudis actually own part of Newcastle. So it'll be interesting to go back to your point to see what kind of influence that has on the the infrastructure of football, right? From the academies to the stadium to the everything that builds football from the ground up. It'll be really interesting to see. It's already, it, I, I, the third jersey that they wear, their their third kit, is the Saudi national team jersey. Oh. The green, 
right? Oh, yeah, or sorry, yeah. it's white with green highlights, right. like the away jersey of the Saudi team. Hmm. Uh, accident? I don't think so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting the next little while. I know. Um, I know there was some talk that uh, man, even the probably the biggest club in the world, and I, I think our friendship is glued together by the fact that we both hate Manchester United. Maybe I do a little bit more than you because I'm a Liverpool you do. guy. You do. I don't know if I have strong strong enough feelings to use the word well, hate. you will. Yeah. You will. <laughs> Something to look forward to. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of concern about in uh, Manchester because there was a there was a very strong bid for the club recently. I think it was close to a billion. Wow. For Manchester United. Okay. So, yeah. Was that also for money from the Middle East? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize. I mean, I knew they were really wrestling with whose bids they should accept, et cetera. But, uh, but it looks like the ownership's going to stay. Which is fine by me. They're near the bottom of the table right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Why? Why fix what should stay broke? Yes. <laughs> well, we also talk about all the other sports that they're influencing. We, you and I discussed. Uh, you called it live golf, actually, and I've only read about it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first time I read about it, I read the fifty-four golf. Yes. Because L I V is actually the Roman numerals for fifty-four. And then you came today and, and started talking about live golf. And hearing it as live golf makes so much more sense to me now. <laughs> so I'll probably just say live golf. But there's live golf happening. There's more Formula One sponsorship happening. Um boxing, world wrestling federation, world wrestling Entertainment. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. See, this is another this is why you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> even even and this is really interesting. We I just read today that the kingdom is hoping to sponsor the women's tennis finals for the WTF. Now, to me, that's a really, really, really interesting thing. Because even though recently, and back to football for a second, the women's, sorry, the Saudi national women's team has been getting quite a lot of press. No, in no small part because of the amount of money that they're putting towards promoting it. But the idea of women and sports in the kingdom is really fraught because the average Saudi woman gets nowhere near sports. No. Now, my wife, Rosalie, and I interviewed, actually, when we were looking for work. When we, Just after we got married, we said, we want to go overseas to teach. We're both teachers by trade, writer by heart, but teacher by trade. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we interviewed with all sorts of schools from all over the place. Uh, and we interviewed with a couple of schools from Saudi Arabia. And... When they presented what the package was, I mean, we initially were blinded by the the dollar signs because the tax-free salary that you can enjoy was exceptional. Mm -hmm. But when we started asking questions of the recruiters and also looking on our own at what living conditions were like in the Middle East, uh, sorry, in particular in Saudi Arabia, we realized that we'd be living on a compound. Um, On the compound, from what we understand... Um, and there's a little bit of it in this movie, the movie The uh, the Kingdom with, with Jamie Foxx from about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago now. Uh, you can see a little bit of that compound living. It's like you're living in an island of westernness in the middle of all of this Saudi, in the middle of Saudi cities. But you're, 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 you're limited to that compound if you're a woman. If you're a guy, you can go anywhere you want. You can do whatever you'd like as long as you take care away from the compounds. Mm-hmm. But if you're a woman... You have to be escorted by a male when you go off the compound. Wow. Women, although very recently, last couple of years, they've announced that women will get driver's license. But the reality is, is that women have to be driven around by a male. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when Rosalie and I started talking about living there, we were like, wow, that really doesn't appeal because my wife is an incredibly independent woman. You know, mm-hmm. Rosalie, oh, yeah. she's, 
She's driven and she runs and she wants to be able to explore. We both like traveling and we want to be able to do things. And mm. it would have severely curtailed that adventurous spirit that we have. And, uh, and when we, we just had to make that decision to say, it's no place to live. I mean, I know lots of people do, and I don't want to dismiss everybody's choices, but for us, it, it just didn't make sense because of how restrictive it was. I mean, there's a reason that this, if you get to work for the Aramco, Aramco is the state-sponsored oil producer, and they have schools that they run themselves. If you work for an Aramco school at, for 10 years, you're done. You can retire. Wow. Full pension. Like not just a good pension, 100% of the money you were making and year 10, that is what you get to live on for the rest of your life. Wow. That says something. Yeah. Right? Please stay for 10 years. We'll, we'll set you up, right? Because they know just how hard it is for somebody who's not from that area to live in that place. And it, it makes a lot of sense why these football players and why, you know, nobody ends up living there. Right, even even Ronaldo, I think I remember him reading. I remember reading about him. He said, "Oh, just I'll, I'll I'll get out of the country as much as I can." It's just not a place that I don't know. How do I put this? I don't think freedom agrees with it, right? You know, and I don't use freedom with a capital F. No, like no. we hear nowadays. That's not what I mean. I mean, I'm talking about the ability for people to live well um, and be taken care of, and to be able to do things. Mm -hmm. So all of these sports, all of these investments in Formula One, in football, in golf, in tennis, these are not going to make life better for the average Saudi citizen. The WWE thing, if we can start there again, the WWE thing um, in the beginning, uh, well, okay, so they have signed a multi-year, multi-show deal with the kingdom um, I believe the WWE gets a half a billion for showing up. Just okay. for going. Just for going. So it's like a huge, think of it like 60 to 80,000, 60 to 80,000 people. It's like, it's no small show. Sure. Obviously they're coming all this way, but yeah, they signed, I think they signed 10 shows at half a billion, half a billion euros each. And I don't know if they're there once or twice a year, but in the beginning of these shows where we're talking about, you know, maybe women are making a, are going to make a mark in sports in Saudi Arabia in the beginning, they wouldn't allow female performers on the show. That was a hard now hard pass. Unsurprisingly. Which, yeah. So, but now they have allowed um, women to wrestle, but they're completely covered head to toe. Right. So, right. You know, that just shows you how difficult it could be uh, as a, if you're a female to be a performer down there as well. Right. Like having to not being treated on the same level as, as everybody else. That's got to be tough. I'm also really aware that it could be really hard in the short term and virtually impossible in the long term for anyone to really say no mm -hmm. to going there. Because sure, Mbappe said no to this particular thing, but the more it happens and it becomes more the norm, more leagues will have to go there as part of their regular season, more races, more tennis matches, more things. And we don't have that ability to say no as freely when it becomes so, it gets its own gravity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, they want the, they obviously they want the Saudi league to be on par with Premier League, La Liga, Syria, all that sort of thing. They're going about it a different way than 
the other leagues historically have, you know, by developing their talent over several generations, you know, like building that fanfare, uh, delivering a great product. They're, they're doing it the other way. They're, they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the, the, uh, what's the, the legacies perhaps of the other leagues. So they're just going to go and buy it in. Which well, also, and it's, it's which so also piecemeal too. It. So you're not, yeah. you're, you, you can't buy a system. Mm-hmm. You can't buy experience. Right. You know, you can buy an, one particular player's experience and somebody like Ronaldo shows just how good he really is. But when it comes to building a league, uh, whether it's football or tennis or cricket or whatever, you, you, you would not get that wealth of collective experience for example, that makes the EPL in England so good. Mm-hmm. Like it's such good football. Yep. And yes, we can look at other leagues around Europe and we can say there's a lot of really good football going on. But there's something special by the fact about the fact that all 20 teams that fight it out every year in the EPL are really, 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 really good. They should be there. Yeah. Well, they should be there. And mm-hmm. yes, at the beginning of the season, of course, we have the good chuckles at the new the newbies who are kind of <laughs> struggling to get a foothold. But in general, these are teams that can compete with most of the teams in Europe and do, mm-hmm. right? This is why they have to open up so many slots for people, or for teams to play in the European championships and that kind of thing. You don't get that if you are just dropping players into teams one by one by one by one. You still have the team that was there before, they just happened to have that. How did you say it earlier? The diamond studded? The, the, the diamond studded Mercedes, yeah. There diamond encrusted Mercedes. They get a diamond encrusted Mercedes or a diamond encrusted Lamborghini, which of course is fun to watch, but it's not improving all of the Ladas and the yeah. bugs and all of the <laughs> jalopies. <laughs> jalopies. <Yeah. laughs> I don't get to use that word very often. That was kind of fun. We certainly see that the money is driving... And, and to go back to that point where you can't say no as well, that the live golf, like initially the PGA was playing kind of hardball about it, saying, well, oh, if you yeah. go to that, you're going to get fined or you won't be able to play. But what's happened, right? Yeah, they're, they're together. They caved. They caved. They caved and they came together. Yeah. Eventually, money being what it is mm-hmm. and the influence that it has becomes impossible to ignore. And I can see that happening in football more and more. I don't know if I think it would be a real stretch of the imagination to imagine that the Saudi league ever rivals something like the EPL or La Liga or the Bundesliga or anything like that, Mm -hmm. even MLS, right? For sure. I was just going to say that. It's a good thing we got the Canadian Premier League to rise above it all here. That's for sure. Absolutely. Who are we? Go CPL. (laughs) (laughs) But again, it goes back to that big question that it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. And and it it's the idea that you can buy your way into. I'm not saying anything crazy when I say that that you can buy your way into any club. Yes, that's not news, is it? No, no. But it 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 does again. Give that that arrogance that well, this is why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when we talk about something like sport washing, all of the other adjectives get used. All of the well, we're helping, for example, in Saudi Arabia, we're building the women's game mm. or we are helping build the domestic football scene. Uh, but in reality, when you start picking apart what's actually going on, those things just aren't happening at all. Mm-hmm. There was just a meeting earlier. Uh, no, sorry. It's last month now. We're in October. Yes. <laughs> what time meeting? Has not. <laughs> but there was just a recent meeting where 
the Saudis met with, I forget who it was, but they, they met with somebody from Europe and they came up with some kind of draft statement to say, yes, we're going to be really talking more about human rights. We're going to be talking about these things that really give people pause. Um, but, you know, a few weeks later, somebody made a statement from the organization. Actually, that I do have here. Okay. Um, Joseph Borrell, who I have no idea who he is, <laughs> but he works with the EU. And then later on, when they made a statement about it, guess what they did not talk about in the statement? Please, please, please tell me. Human rights. Mm -hmm. Guess what they did talk about? More money? More money and cooperation between trade and, yeah, all of those economic ties. Mm -hmm. and, and it just, again and again and again, it sort of betrays the lie that money is doing anything other than what money does. Right. It, it, it's just a, and we, see, we saw that in Qatar as well how they treat their workers, how they treat the environment, mm -hmm. how what they do at their stadiums afterwards, or these massive academies that they built that are dusty wastelands now because they're not getting used. They were trying to use a lot of those same, um, not euphemisms, I'm looking for a word here. We could, actually, maybe we'll just use sport washing. Mm -hmm. they, they sport washed everything by saying, this is all going to be so all the for the good. But in the end, it was just about getting that initial money. Yeah, we could, we could do... Um a rejected central podcast on on world cup bids and what that does to oh, communities right reject. olympic olympic bids uh, it's such a tender thing i love following every time the world cup comes around and euro and all this i love it but mm. it's just so corrupt yeah there's so much bad faith happening yeah with those bids olympics as well we yeah, could yeah. we could certainly do that yeah it's hard cuz people really do get in, get on board they 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 get excited mm -hmm. um and and often with they don't have the full picture and even for those of us i i consider myself fairly well informed mm -hmm. i have to kind of sport wash my own brain just <laughs> to be able to watch canada play in qatar yeah play poorly right yeah definitely not what we were hoping canada would do for oh, sure wow uh, at least alfonso got time. a goal yeah at least yeah he got his goal we got to see the goal Woo! but it, it's it's all about the money and and the crown prince in Saudi Arabia, if, if, if we needed any doubt about it, that there's a more social aspect to it, or he's thinking about the community, or any of those nice, heartwarmy, those kinds of things, it's, it's really not. He said, well, if sport, and he actually used the word sport washing. He's, mm. uh, he's quoted in Fox News, actually, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, bin Salman. If sport washing is going to increase my GDP by 1%, then we'll continue doing sport washing, wow. he said. I don't care about the term. I have 1% growth in GDP from sport, and I am aiming for another 1.5%. Call it what you want. We are going to get that 1.5%. Mm -hmm. um, that's not very ambiguous, is it? Not particularly. Um, wow. Wow. 1.5% of their GDP. How many uh, billions is that? Quick, you know, to the Google machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do we do with it, right? I mean, at some point, and I, I, I go back to my earlier comments saying, oh, I just, it's such a bittersweet thing to cheer for the World Cup when it's being held in a place like Qatar, which has been so incredibly brutal to its workers, mm -hmm. for example. What do we do now? Like, what can we do tangibly to I what do we do I'm just gonna leave it like that what do we do Dave 
I mean, at least they're up fix front. the problem at for le- me right, right now. now. Okay. Well, at least they're upfront about it. Yeah. You know. Well, I guess. Yeah. Okay. We can't. I mean, for those of us who follow football, for those of us who are sports fans, the solution isn't to stop following the sports. No. But I guess maybe as a way of starting is just making sure people are talking about it mm-hmm. and not shying away from it. I know there was a lot of talk during Qatar uh, from human rights groups about how they treat their workers. And having lived in Kuwait, I, I can tell you that those stories are not exaggerated. Mm. Wow. Uh, Kuwait treats its workers very similarly. They live in labor camps. They are paid minimally. Um, I can't say whether they're still holding their passports, but oh it, was, it was pretty regular practice to hold passports to keep them in the country, mm-hmm. whether they're talking about oil field workers or domestic workers in people's homes. they And they just get paid almost nothing. Uh, while the elite and while the citizens drive Bentleys around on roads that were built with all of this imported labor that was not paid well for. Now I was paid pretty well mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a white collar, quote unquote, white collar worker as a teacher. Yeah, no, they, they took pretty good care of me mm-hmm. and they tend to, and this is true across the region. They tend to take care of professionals, like in terms of white collar professionals, engineers, teachers, doctors, lawyers, pilots, all of those things. They tend to take pretty good care of them. But when it comes to the physical laborers or the domestic laborers or people in the service industry or hospitality industry, no. So-called unskilled, right? Yeah, I guess it. I guess maybe we could have a pause before we sign up for... World Cup tickets, if it's held in Saudi Arabia, for example. <laughs> yeah, I think you meant to say earlier, when they win. You said earlier, um, you said did, but uh, I, I think you meant to say win, because they will win. The, they probably they will. will. I mean, win. if Qatar can get it, yes. surely Saudi can. I mean, yeah, Qatar they, is a tiny little place. Saudi's massive. They can outbid everybody. They will win it, because they saw what they did in Qatar, right? Like, it still went off. <laughs> human, <laughs> human rights be... Uh, be darned. I'll say darned because it's a family-friendly podcast. Well but, done. Well done. Um, they're going to get it. They're going to have the most money. They're going to have the most... Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure the selection committees are completely on the up and up. <clears throat> I, I'm sure. I'm sure Saudi Arabia. I'm sure we'll be watching. I'm sure we'll be watching it from Saudi Arabia in 11 years. Well, I guess that remains to be seen. And in the meantime, I guess we just need to keep talking about it and, and not shying away from calling it what it is, right? Because... Mm. We're not going to solve the world's problems here on Rejected Central, Dave. Not in 45 minutes today, no. Not today. Oh, maybe tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) So fixing the world. I get off work at two. (laughs) Then I can solve some real problems. All right. Well, that's all of my notes. Uh, Anything else to add, Dave? No. I I just hope that... uh, How do I say this? I... um, no, maybe I'll be careful. I shouldn't say it. <laughs> okay. I can certainly say, having lived in the Middle East and having gone through that reaction when I heard that Qatar was going to be hosting the World Cup in the summer. Oh. And I remember initially they were saying it was going to be in July, right? Mm-hmm. And they were going to build all these artificially cool environments and all of that kind of thing. Having lived in the Middle East and felt 45 degree, 50 degree temperatures and for our american guests it's that's like 130 140 degrees i think i'm doing the conversion on that right it's close enough it's just not a place that's meant to host this kind of thing and again i said it earlier i don't hold anything against the people who live there themselves and even people who visit 
But the idea of inserting something into it just because you have the money to try to do it, mm -hmm. that's problematic for me. And Qatar brought that to the fore. And I can really predict that I'm going to have similar feelings when, when Saudi wins the bid. Because why wouldn't FIFA take that money? Oh, they're gonna. They, they're going to. Yeah. They have shown themselves completely unwilling to really fix any of the corruption issues that have plagued it. They've shown themselves completely unwilling to apologize for anything that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Why would that change right. in the next 10 years? Can't see it. I can't see it either. No. Well, not even the next 10 years. I guess they'll probably be announcing in the next couple of years. I, I wonder if my hesitance to appreciate their contribution to sport is because it's a commodity. You know, like it's just a simple transaction. It's like a, like a toy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I do know what you mean. You know what I mean? Like buying, buying Newcastle United for probably several hundred million, you know, just to have it as like a, a centerpiece for entertainment for, for other people. No, I guess not for us, you know? Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying and I totally agree with, but as you're talking, I'm, I'm picturing this stratification between the people who make the decisions, the people who hold the oil wealth, who make the calls for what goes on in the country from now until 50 years from now, I see a very clear line between them and the citizens of, like for a place like Saudi Arabia that we talked about earlier, they're not the ones who are really going to benefit from any of this, aside from maybe more stability in the country long-term, but even that, I don't know. Yeah. If there's one thing I can say, that even living in Kuwait, looking at how football was viewed by everybody, football itself is a great equalizer. Mm -hmm. um, the passion, you know, that will not change. That is still why it's called the beautiful game. Yep. You can talk about skill, you can talk about tactics, you can talk about stadiums and big and artificial versus grass, all of that stuff. Yep. But the reason it's called the beautiful game to me is because it just is everywhere. Yep. And it can be played with a ball, not even a ball sometimes, yep. barefoot, whatever, and people just rally behind it. So in that sense, there's always going to be that, that regardless of what superficial or ridiculously wealthy people think is going to fix a problem by throwing money at it, that will not take away from the fact that people love kicking a ball around a field. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's that. That's right. Leave, you, leave the audience with a little bit of optimism. <laughs> Sources for this episode, uh, rejecting sport washing in Saudi Arabia. And there are way more resources then I'm going to mention here. This is not an exhaustive list. I was realizing even as we're talking, I'm like, I forgot to write so many things down. <laughs> anyway, the ones I did write down, The Guardian, Human Rights Watch, The Almighty Wikipedia, Aramco, Forbes, The Sporting News, the BBC, Fox News, and a whole bunch of other places. And as always, we're looking for your stories and ideas. Reach out through our website, social media, or email us at rejectedcentral8 at gmail.com. Be sure, once again, to like, subscribe, follow, and share Rejected Central on your own channels. And we'd be especially grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And to say thank you, we're going to be watching out and making notes about your support. And we'll be making a draw in November for one lucky, do we say lucky? Uh. (laughs) For one lucky reject to be a guest on Rejected Central. We really do mean reject in the nicest possible way. (laughs) Thanks again for listening, rejects. So long.